Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Last week, Pastor Matt preached the angel and the slave and about how God sees us in our situations and He's always there ready to help. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you. Lord, thank you for your word that we get to hear this morning. Uh, Lord, just open our hearts and minds to your truth this morning. And we just want to bring you glory in everything we do and say in Jesus' name, amen. Most of you recognize this little guy. This is my grandson, William. Look at that face. I'm just saying, I feel bad for you all because my grandchildren are obviously the most beautiful, most intelligent human beings on earth. I mean, I might be a little biased, but I'm just saying. William, uh, we get to spend a lot of time with him and Ollie. Uh, They come over every Thursday while Mike and Zara are at band practice and stuff like that. We have this little game that that, uh, Will and I play. Can you guess the name of the game? My seat. My seat, that's right. See, what will happen is Gramps will get up out of his seat, and William will fly over to where I, was, I had been sitting on the couch, and he'll squat down, and all of a sudden I'll hear, seat! And now I know the game is afoot. So as William's in my seat, is really what he's telling me, Gramps will come over like a big ogre, no, it's my seat, and I'll pick him up, and I'll toss him across the couch onto the other side. Don't worry, he doesn't get hurt. Or at least I don't hurt him. Kid hurts himself a lot. That's all on him. <laughs> no children were hurt in the filming of this movie. But uh, he, he loves that. I mean, he's flying across the couch. He lands. He's laughing hysterically. But I could tell you this isn't his favorite part of the game. Next what happens is his favorite part of the game. He comes flying back across the couch, and he gets his little fingers behind my back, and I'm trying to claim my seat, and he gets, pushes me up just far enough to where he gets his feet in there and kicks Gramps off the couch, sometimes hurling across the whole room, flying onto the floor. That's his favorite part of the game. He gets to say, my seat. Now, obviously, there's certain aspects of this game that William doesn't understand. I mean... If Gramps wanted to keep his seat, Gramps could easily keep his seat. I outweigh him by about 150 pounds. See, what I have to do is I have to limit my power and use my understanding to allow William to take part in this game. I have to go down to the level of a two-year-old, which my wife says is easy for me somehow. But not only that, I have to lend him my strength and my power when it's his turn to hurl me across the room, almost giving him superhuman strength. Why do I do this? Why do I go through all this trouble? Well, because I love my William. And this is how we get to know each other. This is how we have fun with each other. It's a weird, it's a guy thing. Raising little boys is so much different than lazy, uh, raising little girls. Little girls you sit down and you color with. This guy wants to smash you through a wall. But I do it because it's part of our relationship. It's to show that I'll do anything to spend time with him and to love on him. 
Now, this mimics our relationship with God in many, many, many ways. You see, God chose to make himself human and bring himself down on our level so that we could have a relationship with him. He, he brought himself down to us so that we could relate to him. He's done this a few times, and that's why this series, Jesus in the Old Testament, he comes back and, 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 and makes himself in heavenly form appear on earth so that he can relate to those who he wants to reach. Not only that, but sometimes when we have these giants in our lives, when, when we, we have these big things, he gives us his power and his strength. So it mimics that relationship. Many times I can remember thinking in life when I'm faced with, with a giant, with something really hard and, and difficult, I, I think to myself sometimes, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do here. Like, how are you going to get me out of this one? But it, putting my faith and my trust in, in whatever he's asking me to do, I know he will empower me to do it or he'll bring about circumstances to get it done. I remember when um, God called me into ministry and I was working for my uncle's roofing company and it was a pretty good job for working for a roofing company. I was uh, kind of a foreman. I was running three crews. I had a a company truck, a company gas card, which was pretty sweet. And I can remember praying to God, okay, what, I feel like you're calling me to do something. What is it that you're calling me to do? And I heard almost audibly, I want you to go into ministry, and I want you to get your seminary education. And I could remember thinking, say what? I was offered a youth pastor job a while back, and I turned it down. I was like, I'm not a pastor. Like, that's, that's not for me. Long story short, obviously I gave in to God's will, but the circumstances that he brought after that, I had to go home and explain to my wife, yes, I know our mortgage is due in a couple of weeks. I'm quitting my job and I have no plan. I have no idea how we're going to come up with that money. But it was amazing to see that through a friend who was a locksmith, that he talked to this other lady that was a property owner. Next thing I know, I'm over there doing landscaping or something crazy, and I was able to earn just enough money to pay the mortgage. You see, God loves his children. He wants the best for us, but we will absolutely face incredibly hard times in life. Amen? Amen. And even sometimes God's going to ask us to bring those situations on to ourself. But I've learned that when you're following God's will and you're sold out to what he wants you to do, there is nothing too hard for God to do. Amen? That's why today's title of the sermon is Nothing's Too Hard for God. We'll be in Genesis 18, 1 through 21, where it's kind of a continuation of the story of uh, Abraham and Sarah that Matt kind of touched on last week. But when we put our faith and trust in God, the impossible is even possible. So follow along with me in your Bibles. I'm going to go ahead and go through all 21 of these verses. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and he bowed himself to the earth. 
and said, O Lord, if I found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread and that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you've said. And Abraham went quickly to the tent of Sarah and said, quick, let three seahs of fine flour knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and he gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. When he took the curds and milk and the calf and he, that he had prepared, he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, and the way of women has ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed at herself, saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him. For I have chosen him, and he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteous and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry is great against Sodom and Gomorrah, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So if we were to take all of those 21 verses and condense them down into one main idea, we would get this. Because of his great love and because he is able, we can place our faith in God for all things. See, it's because of his love and because of his ability that we can place our faith in God for all of these things. Let's break that down to see why that's true. We'll look at verses 1 through 8. God comes to spend time with Abraham to establish their relationship. Verses 1 through 3. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, and he, said to, and he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran to the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Now, the first thing we, we ask, who are these three men? Well, we believe that this was Jesus and two angels. And there's some good reasons why we believe this. It's called a Christophany, where Jesus shows up in heavenly form so that he can bring him down on the same level so that he can relate to man. Some people think that Lord was just a proper um, way to greet someone back then. But look what he does. 
he bows himself to the earth. He immediately sees these three men. He recognizes something is different about them. And he falls to his face and bows himself to the earth. Now, our second clue is this. In verse 3, he says, if I found favor, please do not pass by me. If I found favor in your sight, please don't pass by your servant. Now, we have to remember this. What happened the previous chapter? Well, God came to Abraham and he said, I'm going to give you a promised son. They took matters into their own hands, right? And uh, as Matt covered last week, uh, Sarah brought her servant Hagar and, and basically gave her to Abraham to make a son. They thought, hey, maybe God needs help in this. Well, a few, a few years have passed by since then, and they've heard nothing from the Lord. So I, I'm thinking that when, when Abraham sees these men and, they, and he realizes who they are, he bows his face to the earth, and he says, if I found favor in your sight, please don't pass me by. He's saying, God, are we still good? Are we still good? Verses 4 and 5. Let a little water be brought. Wash your feet and rest yourselves underneath the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. He basically says, will you please stay and eat with me? Will you dine with me? Will you sit here while I pour out my love on you and serve you? Now, let me ask you a question, church. Does God need to eat? No. God is all-powerful. He doesn't need to sit down and eat. He doesn't need to be refreshed. He doesn't need to, you know, take a break in the shade under an oak tree. But he says, do, have you, do as you have said. Because God wanted to spend this time with Abraham. He, he accepts his offer to show, yes, we're still good. Go ahead and prepare that for me. I'm going to sit here and eat with you for a while. Let's look at verse 8. Then he took the curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, and he set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. How awesome is that? The creator of the entire universe took time to sit down and eat with Abraham. He took time to sit down and just spend that time with him. As Abraham stood there and, and, and listened to them talk amongst themselves and added things, I just wondered the things that, that they were discussing. But I don't think it really mattered at that point because they were just spending that time together. He did it so that Abraham would know that they were okay and that, and that he was making a way for him to have a relationship with mankind. See, God limited himself to a human level, not only to show that they were still good, but so that Abraham could relate to him. Kind of like that little game with William and I. Brings us to our first point. God wants a relationship with us. Through his power and understanding, he makes a way. God does not owe us anything. 
He does not owe us anything. He created us, we rebelled, and he does not owe us anything. But because he's a loving father, God wants a relationship with us, but it's through his power and understanding that he makes a way. Let's look at verses 9 through 15. God continues to establish their relationship and his covenant with Abraham and Sarah. Verses 9 and 10. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. So she's kind of in the tent behind them with the door shut, listening to everything that's going on. The Lord says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening in the tent door behind him. So, again, Sarah's overhearing this. She's un, un, God's reiterating this, this promise, this covenant that he had made with Abraham, and now she's hearing it. And, and probably, you know, if you think about it, she didn't hear it from the Lord's lips before she heard it from Abraham. And then they kind of took, um, you know, plans into their own hands and messed up. And they had Ishmael, who Pastor Matt uh, pointed out last week that he's the father of the Arab nations and where we get Islam. So that had a lot of repercussions for the future. But God blessed Hagar anyway because she was being faithful. Verses 11 and 12. So keep in mind that Sarah is overhearing all this. She's behind this tent. She's hearing the Lord speak. 11 and 12. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out, and my Lord is old, shall I still have this pleasure, this pleasure of having a son? See, Sarah was about mid-90s. Abraham was like 105-ish. So she's hearing this actually from the lips of God, and she's thinking to herself, she's laughing to herself, going, really? After all this time, I'm really going to have this pleasure? I'm really going to have a child? Verses 13 and 14 and 15. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And she say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it saying, I didn't laugh for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. So it's funny, she's in this tent, she's behind everybody, she's out of sight, she's hearing everything that's going on, and she laughs to herself. Now all of a sudden, she hears the Lord saying to Abraham, hey, wait a minute, what is she laughing about back there? Could you imagine if someone could hear your inner thoughts? Like if someone was standing before you telling a really long, boring story, and you're like, oh, man, when is this boring story going to end? And they go, excuse me, what did you say? This, I'm sorry, am I boring you? Well, let me look, clue you in on a little thing. God can hear our inner thoughts. He knows them all. Just a little side note. But God says, he says, really, you're laughing at me? Um, I'm the God that spoke an entire universe into existence. Um, I formed this earth. I made you out of the dust and breathed life into you. You're laughing that I'm saying that you're going to have a son? 
And then he gives the tagline, is anything too hard for the Lord? And then he reiterates, you will have a son. And by telling Abraham, when I return to you this, about this time next year, Sarah will have a son. So I guess Sarah wasn't catching on that God can hear her. So she ends it with, which I think this is hilarious because, you know, it's, it's great when you see these little nuggets in Scripture. If someone made all this up, they would probably leave this part out. It's, 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 it's one of those little things that I love to see, the validity of Scripture, that it's not about a bunch of perfect people doing perfect things. <laughs> Sarah's still not catching on. She's like, hey, what are you talking about? I didn't laugh. And God ends it with, no, but you did. Here's the point. God wants us to have faith in him, even believing the impossible. See, Abraham and Sarah were just going by what they knew and saw in the physical world. Can a 95-year-old and a 105-year-old give birth to a son? It's not very likely especially someone that has not been able to produce a, a child like that up to this point. Brings us to our second point. God wants us to trust him fully because there is absolutely nothing too hard for him to do. When God calls us to do something, he wants us to fully put our trust in him because we have to remember there is absolutely nothing too hard for him to do. He spoke a universe into existence that we still can't number the stars. I'm sure that there's things that he could do in our lives that are amazing. And it reminds us of our main point, because of his great love and because he is able, we can place our faith in God for all things. Amen? And finally, verses 16 through 21, it's really awesome because God doesn't just leave it there. God assures Abraham of their covenant by, by showing him a little piece of the future and actually allowing him to be kind of part of that. Verse 16, then the men set out from there and they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. God's finalizing this, this covenant with Abraham. He's, he's trying to help him understand, no, listen, this, this is a real thing. All of the nations of the earth are going to be blessed in you. But he makes it clear. He's like, but I'm in control. Verse 19 where he says, for I have chosen him. God is the one that makes covenants, a covenant with man. Man don't make covenants with God. We don't have that authority. But he said, I am choosing you. The only thing Abraham had to offer was his obedience. Amen? So God shares with Abraham his future plans to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And he even allows Abraham in the, in the following chapter, in chapter 19, he allows Abraham to be part of that. And as Abraham starts praying for the people and that God would spare some in the city, and he ends up saving Lot and his family, which meant a lot to Lot. Yep, pastor dad joke. But he did this for two reasons. One, to strengthen Abraham's faith that God keeps his promises because God wiped those cities out. But also that he allowed Abraham to actually take part in his future plans. This herdsman, traveling nomad who Abraham was got to now be part of God's plans for all eternity? That is incredible. It brings us to our third point. When we fully trust God, he will show us things we never thought possible. If we fully trust God when he's calling us to do something or not do something, we will see things that we never thought were possible. As Mike comes up, and we're, and we're closing this out, we have to remember there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Nothing at all. There's nothing he can't do. We remember our first point, God wants a relationship with us, and it's through his power and understanding that he makes a way. Just like that little silly game that I, I play with William. As I come down to his level, and commune with him. It's all because I love him. Think about what great lengths God went so that he can reach you. God came in human form and he died on a cross so that we could get to know him. God has made a way for you to know him this morning. Our second point was God wants us to trust him fully because there's absolutely nothing too hard for him to do. Like I said, Abraham and Sarah, they were just looking at human ways, doing human things in a reality that they've always lived in. There's no way we're gonna have this promised son. That's laughable. There's no way that this is gonna happen. But when they went against that and they put their faith in God, it was amazing. What impossible thing is God asking you to trust him with this morning? whether it's something he's calling you to do or he's asking you not to do anymore. Sometimes he wants to cut things out of your life and you just don't understand how that's gonna work. Or maybe he's asking you to step out of faith to do something big for him. And you're like, God, that's not me. There's no way that I can do that. Well, you're right. Let God deal with those giants, amen? Finally, God promises that when we fully trust him, he will show us things we never thought possible. Abraham and Sarah got to be the first in a long line of people that were able to make a relationship between a holy God and sinful man, all because they fully trusted God with what he was asking them to do. Imagine the victories that we could have in life if we fully put our faith and trust in God. Imagine what we could do in, in this villa's area if we answered the call every time God called. 
finally remember because of his great love and because he is able, we can place our faith in God for all things. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you that you have made a way for us to know you. You did this because you love us and you want a relationship with us. You created an entire universe by the words of your mouth. You gave power to billions of stars. Your understanding and your power is limitless, yet you made a way for us to know you and love you. Because of this, we know we can trust you and that nothing's too hard for you. Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, I pray that they can understand that you, what you've done for them and that they could accept that free gift of salvation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.